0: My guest for this episode is a member of the Creativity Found Collective, a promotional and networking membership for artists and crafters who share their creative skills with grown-ups through workshops, online courses, products and kits. There's a link to their page at creativityfound.co.uk and if you too would like to join us, visit creativityfound.co.uk join us
1: You know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. If I can get myself out of this, this illness situation and get my health back, I'm going to make a, a life change. Irresponsible people they call me. <laughs> Clay is one of those things where the creativity evolves because it changes. And then, of course, the great pottery throwdown happened, and then that will change. <laughs> Anybody that's self-motivated can do
0: it. Hi, I'm Claire, founder of Open Stage Arts, Drama and Singing Classes for Adults. Lots of the adults who come to our classes and online events are looking for a creativity that has been put on the back burner during their sensible grown-up years. I have found this to be true among other creatives too, so I've decided to find out more. About the painters, photographers, writers, printmakers, actors, crafters, teachers, musicians, and more that have found or refound their creativity later in life. Today I'm speaking with Peter White, who began studying for a BA in ceramics in his late 40s and in 2021 was a finalist on TV's The Great Pottery Throwdown. He has had an interesting and emotional journey in life and on the show and is passionate about inspiring others to tap into their own creativity no matter what their age. Hi Peter.
1: Hello Claire lovely to meet you again. And you.
0: Lots of people know you as a potter through your studio Woven Sands Clay and of course from the television show The Great Pottery Throwdown but it wasn't until you were in your late 40s, that you were able to follow this creative path. We'll talk about what you were doing before Ceramics became your thing. But before that, tell me about your childhood and whether you had an arty upbringing.
1: Right. Okay, Claire. So I had quite an unusual upbringing. I had uh, three sisters. My father was an engineer. Uh, My mother was a midwife. And my father, he worked for the space industry intermittently. And so it involved him moving around the world. So probably when I was eight or nine, we jumped aboard ship and we, we travelled around the world. We ended up in Australia, where we stayed in Australia for about four years, maybe a little bit longer. And my father worked in Woomera. I was always very interested. I was always painting and making. I was the child that took everything apart uh, and put it back together, Or <laughs> well, mainly. So... I think my sisters realised that I was quite arty. I went through school. I was okay at school. I wasn't an A1 student, but I I was okay. And I had an art teacher uh, called Mrs. Brown who clearly thought that I had something to offer. And when I was doing my O levels and A levels at, at the time, I did the work for that. And what happened was Mrs. Brown did a small exhibition for me and from that, I was offered a place at an art school and a small bursary, and I went home and said, "Hey, Dad, look, you know this, this is what's happened. I'm going to art school." And he said, "No, you're not." And you have to remember that that back in the um, no sixties and seventies, your parents had a great influence. And my father, being ex-military, being an engineer, my grandfather being an engineer, I was I was a little bit controlled, I suppose, by my parents. And I can remember my father saying, no long students in my house, no arty people. I don't know what Mrs. Brown. You're going to be an engineer like me. And I've arranged some interviews for you. And I went, do you know what? Fine. Okay. And I went and told Mrs. Brown. And she, you know, clearly she went, well, you know, that's a shame, but, you know. And so I went into engineering and I became an engineer. I did an engineering apprenticeship. I, I worked in the drawing office uh, and I moved around. And I did it wholeheartedly and with pleasure. But I still dabbled with art. I I still, you know, made things, did a bit of painting. So that was always there. And it was always a little bit strange because to be an engineer and to be an artist, that's that's quite a conflict of areas. And within my work, within my artwork, there was a lot of accuracy. Within my engineering work, there was a little bit of (laughs) flamboyance. So which used to get me in a little bit of trouble. I, I worked for, for several different design companies, and eventually I started my own business. And purely off the hoof, somebody came in. The company was in Luton, in Bedfordshire, and we're quite near the motorway. And this chap came off the motorway, and he just he just stopped the engineering company for whatever reason, and asked us to do a small job. And that was my link to children's toys. He introduced himself, and it was a company that were linked to Fisher-Price and one or two other companies. And we made, started making prototypes. I was in my element then. So we had the model shop, and I ran the that, that particular part of it. So I never sort of avoided the engineering side, and I never avoided the creative side.
0: Since you're working with toys, did you have some creativity within that job?
1: Well, that that's an interesting one because it's the nature of the beast, isn't it? I don't know if it's the nature of the beast. It's the nature of me, where I, I would look at drawings and I would interpret the drawings, not necessarily how the toy designer would envisage it. But you also have to remember we didn't have computers. Everything was done with paper, telephone, fax machines. So I suppose for me it was great because I could... I could deviate from the origin. And um, when I made the models and everything, I could add, I could change the colours to primary colours, and I would look at the target age group and then go, oh, no, that's not quite right. <laughs> and quite often I got away with that, and which was quite good because it, it became a situation where people began to rely on my knowledge and the fact that I, I did used to go a little bit off piece, if you like. Uh, not always, but uh, a lot of the time, it worked very well.
0: So you mentioned that you were dabbling with your own creativity at home as well during this time. What what were you doing?
1: Right. So I love illustration. So I did a lot of watercolor work. I did, did illustration, and I did I did one or two uh, plaster molds and the models, basically for the for the engineering side of it, and also for the fact that. I could creatively change, mould and adapt things as, as I progressed. I mean, of course, anything I drew or anything I painted went out into the family and that still hasn't stopped. <laughs> you know, it still goes really quickly. But it's about having value. And I, I've never seen a great value in my work, I suppose. My belief has always been, you know, to, to share it. I mean, I can't keep all this work. So it's great to go out to, to friends and family. and.
0: I know that at that time, you made your own wheel. Tell me about the wheel that you made.
1: Well, that's a really interesting one, because what happened was, I had this engineering company, I had quite a nice house, and I had a little workshop at the end of it, and I sort of got this interest in, in, in pottery. I thought, you know, I'm going to have a go at this, you see. So, remember, there was no internet, there weren't a lot of books about that explained it. And so I thought, well, I'm an engineer. What I'll do is I'll design and we'll make a potter's wheel, and I'll put a potter's wheel in my workshop, and I'll, I'll throw pottery. Now, I'd never touched a bit of clay before in my life, apart from what I did with Mrs. Brown with the kick wheel. And um, I made the wheel, installed it, I, I, I bought a cheap kiln, and off I went. So, you know, there, there are a few mistakes, of course, but I was producing work. I was making pots quite successfully. And a friend who was was part of the the engineering company that I I had, he'd been a pottery teacher long time ago. And he he came up and he was looking at my pots. he goes, oh, this is fantastic, you know. And he he came one day and I was on the potter's wheel. And he said, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean, what am I doing? And he said, well, the wheel's going the wrong way. And he said, the average potter's wheel does about 250 RPM. And he said, what's that one doing? I said, 600. And he said, he said, it's like watching things in fast forward. <laughs> and uh, so we had this little chuckle. So then we changed everything. He stayed with me and he showed me the proper way to do it. And, that's, and then off I went. Then it was fine, you know. Um, but
0: How different is it to throw in the other direction? If you'd been, got used to throwing in one direction, then the wheel goes in the other direction.
1: You know, that's, that's like really strange because, see, what happens is I'm right-handed so my left hand goes into the pot, okay, and my right hand sits outside. And then you marry, like your your two hands mirror each other. So you would pinch the clay, you pinch the clay and draw the clay up toward the centre. But when it's going the other way, of course, your right hand is in the pot and your left hand is outside. So you suddenly become ambidextrous, but by default. Yeah. <laughs> but I got used to it. And, of course, it being so fast, I was putting my hand in, zoop, but what it meant was that when things went wrong, it went wrong really, really badly, because at six hundred plus RPM, if that went a bit floppy, you know, all the walls had a bit. I had a bit, you know, I was eating it, you know, I was wearing it. Um, but it was, it was crazy, Halcyon days. It was, it was, it was good fun.
0: Brilliant. So you were twenty years or so working in engineering, but how did dabbling with clay? turn into studying ceramics at BA and MA level and do you think you faced particular struggles at university because you were slightly older than the other students?
1: Well Claire do you know what age once again is nothing to do with this I've always been a a character where I've always got on well with young people my grandchildren you know my children think I'm worse than the grandchildren Um, I'm totally irresponsible I love a laugh and I think for me, I, I had a change in, in my life. The the business was was doing really really well. We were growing. The company was growing. I was spending all my time at work. I'd have worked twenty four seven. It was nothing to do with earning money. It's something in in our psyche about moving forward, about being successful, um, and of course that resulted in the inevitable heart attack on. Christmas Eve, which was good fun for the family. Um <laughs> so that sort of slowed me down. But fortunately, I didn't need surgery that you know they, they sorted it all out. And I I was lying in hospital and I was analyzing you can only do this in like an unknown situation like hospitalization, where you have a lot of time and a lot of thought. And I thought, do you know what? I don't even like this bloke. And I thought. You know, you're building this business, you're sort of, you know, driving like a speed rope through the water, you know, you're hurting people, you're just, you know, it's all about ambition. And I thought, do you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. If I can get myself out of this situation, this illness situation, and get my health back, I'm going to make a life change. And I didn't make a life change. And I still have a lot of the business and I sort of virtually gave it away, actually. I didn't make it, hardly any money on it but we were secure enough to, to, to carry on. And I, I sort of, I suppose the term, um, I bummed about for a while, about six months. You know, and everybody's going, but what are you going to do? I can remember my mother, you know, when I said, oh, got rid of the business. And she went, oh, okay, what are you going to do? And I, I don't know. She went, oh my, what? <laughs> you know, how you know mothers do. Stop up arms, calm down. And um, uh, so I thought, do you know what? It was my younger sister, Angela, who said, look, you know, you're very passionate about art. Why don't you do something to go into art, go go that way? And I thought, do you know what? I'm making pots. What I could do with it is looking at it a bit more in depth. So I ended up at, at Middlesex University, and that's where I did my BA with honours. And then went on and did uh, an MA in connection with tableware. And that's how it all came about, really. And then, but I joined university and I joined with a group of, of very young people, but they weren't all young. And I sort of decided at that time that I, I'm quite okay with young people. I'm not down in the groove or anything like that, but I, you know, I sort of, I think I've got an empathy. So it was okay. I mean, I, I supported them, I cherished their young ideas, I challenged some of the, uh, Non-conventional ideas, and said, do you know, do you realise, you know? But I tried and tried at all times to avoid being a mother hen. So that worked quite well. Um, and then, of course, when I wanted to do the MA, it was a more mature-based MA, so it was a lot of written work. And um, yeah, so and that's that's how it all came about. And then I, I left university. And um then bummed about again.
0: <laughs> so you didn't you didn't know what you wanted to do once the studies were finished?
1: No, irresponsible people call me. <laughs> but but it's, it's not that. It's do you know what? I'm I still don't know what I want to do in my life. I really, really don't. I'm still I'm really happy in developing my skills, developing my creative side. But if somebody said, you know, if my mother was alive, and she said, you know, Peter, what are you doing? I'd go, I don't know, mum. You know, I'm just riding, I'm riding life, as it were, you know, with my children, my family. And um, so, yeah, so that's it, really.
0: But you did start teaching. How did that come about?
1: The teaching thing. How lovely was that? So, okay. so I uh, got some friends who were teachers and they said, oh, could you bring your wheel into school and and do a, a couple of days teaching? And uh, so they did all the all the checks and everything. And off I went into these schools. And I, I did a I did a, more than a couple of days. I was there two or three weeks at one school. And the head was involved in a couple of these lessons as well, just for a bit of fun. And then he said to me, he said, you've thought about becoming a teacher. And I went, I don't need loads more work. And he said, no, it's, it's really easy. It's really straightforward. you would be very good. So well, there's not lots of work involved. And he went, no, 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 no. <laughs> I could kind have of killed him. Uh, <laughs> well, of course, it's very difficult. You know, to become a teacher is quite hard. You're writing essays about Piaget and, you know, on ethics and, you know, and all this, you think, oh, how did I get involved in this? Uh, once that was all over, and I got into the classroom, then it all clicked again. That was something I found that I also loved. So then I had the ability to teach art and design. I taught a bit of maths. Um, I taught product design and then I taught engineering, so i had a, like a gambit that sort of ran you know with all all the links you know i, I got involved with in, in, in this school in a big way. I then changed schools. I joined a school in Middleton Keynes, a massive school I had a cohort at the time of nearly three thousand. It was the largest school in Europe I had a a lovely, lovely ethos where the children came in their own clothes, they called you by your first name which was a little unusual, but it worked. It worked very, very well. It had art college status. I was head of visual arts. We had a gallery, and it was wonderful, and it was fantastic. And I'm still teaching now. I only do two days now, but I do product design and a little bit of art. But it's a beautiful school, and, you know, I, I, I love it. I love the school, and, um, you know, the students are lovely.
0: Great. heard me banging on about the Creativity Found Collective on this show but are still not sure what it is or if it's right for you, why not jump onto a one-to-one online coffee chat with me and we can talk about your small business and how the Creativity Found promotional and networking membership could help you and your enterprise to thrive. Visit creativityfound.co.uk slash join us or click on the link in the show notes to sign up and book a date and time for us to get together. See you soon! you know so as well as teaching every week there is also of course woven sands clay which is very much a family affair how did you move from as you said earlier making pots for friends to starting a pottery business and if I may ask how do you work together with your family without falling out
1: I'll answer that one last <laughs> okay so just before I went on to the show I built a studio, and it's only three and a half metres by three and a half metres. It's a wooden studio, but I I backed it onto the front of our garage. So it's a modern house. It's only been built 10 years, so it's like a cardboard box. Um, And they put these garages up where you can get a motorbike in, but you can't get a car in, or you can get it it in, but you can't get out. Yeah, so we got the studio going. I then started making pottery. I, I was making pottery. It was prolific. And I think, you know, I was turning up to people's houses and going, oh, I hope he hasn't got any pottery luck. Like, you know, <laughs> no, I'm sure they won't, but, but that's kind of how I felt. And um, it sort of progressed from there. So, so what happened was uh, my daughter, Hannah, said, look, you know, we need to be selling some of this stuff. That was the discussion. And then, of course, the great pottery throwdown happened. And then that all changed, <laughs> you know.
0: So, presumably, that's been good for business. It, it
1: has, yes. As a finalist in the Great Pottery Throwdown, it's been good. I think people make an association that they like your work with your name on it. And it's like, it's like the commissions that I'm doing. People are more interested in getting the name, your name, and the date. Uh, of course, they want a beautiful piece of work. It's like a combination of the both. But, but what it has done is, I mean, through, through media and the television, I'm a face now. And it's and it's it's bizarre because I'm I'm recognised in in uh, like all food shops. I was when I'm shopping. You know, there was something with nothing but shopping in a co up in Tesco. And, and bizarrely the other day a couple pulled up in a car and they were asking for a street that's quite local to us. And I said, Oh yeah, I'll explain where it is And then right out of the blue he went, You're Peter off the telly. <laughs> oh my goodness, me. it's Peter all of it Oh hello. <laughs> We had this chat, and like I'm trying to get out, and they blocked the driveway. I know we're going to get all the information out they could. Well, and that was absolutely lovely. But then the other day, I went to fill up a gas cylinder because I, I need uh, propane gas for my kiln because I have a a, a Raku kiln, you see. And um, all of a sudden, this 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 lady, Katie, her name is, and she's lovely, and uh, she was chatting away and she was smiling. And you could see that that, that she was going. I'm sure, I know, I'm sure I know, I'm sure I know. That. And one of the lads from the yard came up and said to me, "No, that is don't you?" And she went, and "He went Peter." And she went Peter, Peter the Potter. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, next thing you know, she's going, <laughs> you're a piece, you I went, "Yes, yeah." And it was lovely. It's absolutely adorable, you know.
0: So you're avoiding the question about working with family, then?
1: Oh, did I? Yes, I, th- <laughs> I knew it was going. Back to that. Okay. <laughs> it's like working with a family. Um, okay, so I, I have a fantastic family. Um, we're a big family of well, 10 grandchildren. But my daughter, who you've spoken to, Hannah, she does all the social media. She does all the website. Uh, she's absolutely fabulous. She does all that. Jill does, my wife does, all the packaging, does all the organisation. She runs a very busy house. She looks after the grandchildren. She, she looks after everybody. Um, she has a massive job. She's she's head of a design faculty at the school where I work. Of course, we we have our, you know, I have my methods. Not everybody's the same. There was that was a little bit of friction, mm. but on the main, it's pretty good. You know, and we can always sort of discuss it, as families discuss things. If you could imagine, what I mean, <laughs> and I always lose. Um, <laughs> You know, it's, it's been very good. I've, I've been amazed by how lovely it is. We have a photographer in the family, so he comes in, and he does the photography, takes off, edits it, puts it back to Hannah. She does all the the uh, final editing that puts on the website. And it's brilliant, and I just got to produce. <laughs> so what I have is I've got a friend called Bob, who when I was at school. When I was head of visual arts, I, I met him. And he used to service our kilns at school. When I started the, the studio, I contacted Bob and said, you know, if you hear of any kilns going, you uh, can let you know. And the way schools are about being creative, we're in a situation where schools are trying to get rid of that kind of stuff. So I managed to buy 22nd second-hand kilns, big electric kilns, that went into the garage. So they don't, I don't know, put an extractor in, they, they don't interfere at all. With the production area, with the wheels, and my teaching area, then we decided to, to look at uh, doing raku work, just just experimenting with raku. I got a galvanized dustbin and I, I fiber lined it, and I made all the burners and everything, and I made a raku kiln, oh. and, uh, and that's you know, and it's good fun. Oh my goodness, you smell like a bonfire. <laughs> it's not very romantic, you know.
0: Did you do that before the show?
1: The raccoon, no, that that came afterwards, yeah. Yeah, because we did naked raccoon one of the episodes and I thought, ooh, this is like good fun,
0: you know. Yeah, brilliant. Awesome, thank you. You are seventy years old, and I know you are busier than ever. What keeps you going?
1: Do you, do you know, Claire, I'm not seventy in my head. You know, my body is seventy. And I get up some mornings and go, Oh my goodness me, what's happening? But um, when I get going, I'm fine. I, I, I'm a great believer in progress. Age is only a number. I keep that motivation going. It's like I, I was saying earlier, that I don't know what I want to do. I still don't know what I should be doing in my life. So I continually progress. You know, and I, I make unusual lights. I skip dive. and um, So I make and create anything that I can. It's only the, the fact that the body's a little bit rusty now, but the engine—the engine's got a hundred thousand miles on it—and and that's that's what I believe. You know, we should all be wherever we possibly can. We've all got something in it, certainly something, something more than you know. I'm retiring now; I rest up. No, you don't. Get out there, get walking. Look at the world. You know, stop moaning. there for go. You know, <laughs> and you can have a go really cheaply. You know, buy like a, a two B pencil. On a drawing pad, go for a walk and draw what you see. Nobody there to judge you, only you. You know, just have a good time. Anybody that's that's self-motivated can can do it. Get out and have a go.
0: Perfect. I know that you still like to experiment with your clays and your glazes. Um, I also know that you have commissions and you have work to do for the website. How do you figure it all into your time that you can do the stuff that needs to be done and you can still have your creative experiment are you a super duper time management person or do you go with the flow i'm
1: very good at time management i tend to to plan a couple of days ahead things like commissions commissions are really really important they're important to me very very important to the person that that i should do the commission so it has to take priority people you're working for personally it has to take priority and you just sort of fit everything else in around it and that's why I'm considering retiring from school and that will give me the full seven days to work on you know.
0: (laughs) But you can still you can still balance the enjoyment and the creativity and the, the passion for the craft.
1: Do you know you have to have a passion for the craft I mean collecting is one of those things where The creativity evolves because it changes and you can develop that creativity as you're molding it. So you may start out with one idea, but then as you're you're going, oh, I could try that, I could develop, you know, and it it moves along. And the great thing about, you know, ceramics and clay is the combination. It's experimenting with the science of of clay, experimenting with the science of glazes and lustres and Raku glazes. You know that's all exciting. It's all moving along, but it all has to be fitted in. So you sort of have to give yourself a sort of a, a bit of a mini time check. I have I have uh, whiteboards in the studio and in the office where I sort of do a plan, and then of course my wife Jill and my uh, daughter Anna they pop things in. You know we're going to do this, and you need to have that done by then. And, you know, and by the way, you know we're going to do a TikTok this afternoon. You know. Blimey. more camera time I hate cameras you know but uh, yeah so
0: how do you feel when you create something new and you show it whether to your family or the wider public by which I mean have you found a confidence or are you nervous about sharing what you've made
1: do you know that that's quite interesting it's a really interesting question and it works a bit like this. I think prior to being on a throwdown, I didn't quite have that confidence. I'm not a very confident person anyway, really, about the things that I do. And I think that, that anybody will tell you, I, I haven't yet found anything that I really, really like. I'm really super critical. Um, like, you know, friends and family going, you're kidding, That's absolutely beautiful. I love that, it's fantastic. Um, but I'm always striving for the next thing. And I don't, I don't know if that next thing actually exists. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this really, really big commission for some friends of ours for their anniversary. And I've had a couple of attempts because I had one blow up in the kiln, And so I did the second one yesterday. And that was satisfying. It's nearly 700 millimetres high. And I've thrown it on the wheel in two parts. And, and I sort of looked at that. And uh, Jill came in last night and Hannah, and they were looking at her and going, Oh, you know, it's not quite the shape she's asked for. So I thought, mm, No, but I'll modify it. So by the time they saw it this morning, I'd modified it and I'd got it all back. And I thought, Yeah, that's quite, cool. I'm quite happy with that. You know, I've got to get it through the two firings, but you know, yeah, so I am getting more confident, definitely. And my my throwing skills are developing as well,
0: which is good. Brilliant. So you're back home now. Throwdown is over. Back to some kind of normality, possibly. What are your plans for the future?
1: My um, plans for the future are, apart from going on holiday, and <laughs> crazy times. My plans for the future is to continue developing the business. I want to open the studio up to people coming in. Want to learn a new skill. I'm going to offer drawing workshops, painting workshops. Uh, mainly pottery workshops, so the workshop will take two people, and I suppose I'm not looking for people to join me that have great pottery knowledge, and are just looking for a work- workshop to use. I'm looking for those people that want to be inspired, um, young or old. Like I say, we've got disabilities in the family, and that's great to work with them. You know, let them make. Um, so yeah, I want to carry on with that. And also, I want to develop my portfolio. I want to you know there is a very very serious side to me and i would like to uh get my work into some galleries i mean my work is is, is reasonably priced i think it's very important for everybody to share That you know i'm not looking for, for fame or anything like that it's just worth i suppose and to share that idea and to share that creativity to share that you know, madness is me. You know, I watched this thing last night about Giacometti, and I thought, well, yeah, it's very much like me, you know, both a couple of lunatics, you know? <laughs> But uh, in a nice way, you know.
0: Brilliant. Peter, how can people connect with you?
1: Okay, well, there's a couple of ways of getting in touch with me. Go to the website, which is all brand new. It's all fantastic. www.wovensandsclay.com. You can see all my work, but i put everything up there and you can contact me through there's a contact page, and please do or Instagram at Woban underscore sans underscore Clay and then Facebook at Woban Sands Clay Please, you know any information, write in or Insta in or whatever it is or Facebook in uh, I'm an open book
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you ever so much, Peter
1: Thank you, Claire That was a lovely time. Thank you
0: Listen in to the next episode to hear all about Peter's experiences on the Great Pottery Throwdown. Thanks so much for listening to Creativity Found. If your podcast app has the facility, please leave a rating and review to help other people find us. On Instagram and Facebook, follow at Creativity Found Podcast. And on Pinterest, look for at Creativity Found. And finally, don't forget to check out creativityfound.co.uk the website connecting adults who want to find a creative outlet with the artists and crafters who can help them tap into their creativity. When I created the Creativity Found website and the collective membership, I had no previous knowledge regarding the technical aspects of making an idea into a reality, a bit like when I started this podcast. I came across Kajabi, which allowed me to build the website so that visitors can easily find the creative classes, kits or supplies they are looking for through pages that look inviting and that showcase my members' talents. Kajabi also handles the membership, my mailing list and newsletters, the online community, taking payments and it's where I host the Creativity Found Collective online meetups. If you're interested to learn more about how Kajabi can help you run and streamline your small business, you can find an affiliate link in the show notes and receive a 14-day free trial.